Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Toddcast, The Teacher Podcast, an informative podcast that explores a variety of teaching and educational experiences while still offering insights into improving and upskilling teachers. Join your host, Todd Broadbent, as he explores the wide and varied lives of educators from every sector, exploring fundamental concepts that are pivotal to good teaching, while also discussing the lighter side of the educational sector. Welcome to the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. The 35th episode of the Toddcast, the teacher podcast, I had the wonderful opportunity of interviewing Katie McWaters, who I actually went to school with as well as coach volleyball together. Katie has been teaching for 12 years in various roles and schools, such as residential boarding schools and VCE subjects, outdoor education, physical education, and health and human development. Katie has a wonderful passion for teaching and seeing her students achieve their best results possible. Throughout this episode, Katie shares her educational journey, why she decided to become a teacher, her experiences in residential boarding schools, the positives and challenges for staff and students in residential boarding schools, advice for teachers moving schools, teaching VCE and the pressure for results, advice for teachers to get the best VCE results possible, balancing mum life and being a teacher, and so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Katie. Welcome to the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Todd. Great to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you as well. I feel like we haven't had an opportunity to speak in such a long time, so it's wonderful to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It has been a long time, but great to chat to you today. And I think the great thing we were just talking before is I feel like this is going to be an area that I don't know a lot about, and I'm sure a lot of other teachers don't know too much about as well. So it's uh, great to get you on to have a great chat about that today. Yeah, looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, we'll get underway. Do you have a highlight of the day today, Katie? Well, I was just chatting about this one, actually. My highlight of the day was getting home to my son. I've got a five-year-old son who's just started prep. We were just talking about this earlier. Uh, and he had the day off today. So I got home and he had an obstacle course set up in the lounge room, playing the floor is lava, and he wasn't allowed to touch the ground. They said, Mummy, come and join me. So we played floor is lava. That was fantastic. And we do, you know, highlights of the day around the dining table. And he said that was his favourite. So that was really nice. And as I was tucking him to bed, I said, Night, mate, I'm, I'm off to do a podcast because he knows about podcasts. We listen to those. And he said, oh, Mummy, can you just please mention on the podcast that um, I think you're really funny and your jokes are really funny and they make me giggle a lot. And I thought, fantastic. Yes, I will mention that. <laughs> so that was my highlight of the day. <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic. So I'm sure he's going to be very keen to be having a listen to this and hearing uh, that moment you've just had there. <laughs> At least in the first little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might lose him after that. Yes, I think so. <laughs> no, that's beautiful. And uh, going back to when you're a student, Katie, what were you like? Oh, look, you would probably know me as a student, Todd. We did go to school together. I went to Girton. And look, I wasn't the most studious of students. I was one of the students that was trying to get out of class as much as possible, playing in any sporting team that I could be a part of. Look, I did lawn bowls. We, we obviously played volleyball together. Um, I loved volleyball, but anything and everything that I could get myself out of class, I would. So I wasn't the most academic student. I loved drama and performing though. So that was like a stark opposite to, to what I was a bit of a quiet student in class and drama was my sort of outlet and, and being a bit of an attention seeker. So I'm sure you were subjected to some of my assembly performances at some stage. 
Um, but I really enjoyed that aspect. And I think that it kind of influenced me being a teacher was that I didn't enjoy, I had a fixed mindset and I didn't enjoy school and learning school. I loved the social aspect and interacting with sport and that's that side of things. But learning, it was just like a brick wall for me. If I didn't get it, then I just stopped and I tuned out and I was trying to look out the window and, and you know, birds are outside. Great. I'll have a look out there. But that really appealed to me and, and still does appeal to me in trying to engage students in, in learning and that side of things. But yeah, I wasn't a studious student by any means. <laughs> <laughs> Love the honesty. I must say, I do remember seeing you on the volleyball court as a, I remember being a young year seven and, and watching you guys play on the volleyball court. It was always like, that's where I want to be. That's where I want to get to. So I do very much remember you being at school and being like a great little role model for me to be something to inspire to. So no, Thanks. great job. <laughs> and then do you have a favorite moment from school? I know you mentioned a couple of little things there, but do you have a real favorite moment? Oh, look, I think probably volleyball. I think, you know, a couple of people have mentioned this. We're all connected by volleyball, but I think States and nationals, I think they were just highlights of my time and, and, you know, going down to Melbourne and being in Melbourne, being country kids, you get to go down to Melbourne and spend some time. And Carlton College, you probably went around when we went to Carlton College, but that was in Carlton and it was, you know, right near Ligon Street and we could walk in and, and have a nice meal and then we'd go and play volleyball and so some fantastic memories that we had. And, and I think it was really a cultural thing at the school at the time was just that volleyball was such a big thing and that's where your friendship group was and that's what you did after school and so much of your life revolved around volleyball. Um, and I think that was a real highlight of my time. And I think when I think back to school, that's what I think about is just volleyball and playing volleyball all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, that's an awesome highlight. That's very much the, as you would have heard along the way, very similar for me as well. So no, yeah, love that one. So now can you tell me about yourself, Katie, your teaching journey and then what you're currently doing? Yeah, so as you said earlier, I've got a bit of an unusual teaching journey. I uh, I finished halfway uni, halfway through the year. Uh, so my first job out, uh, my dad's also a teacher who you know uh, quite well. Uh, he recommended to me, look, you're halfway through the year, you've just got to go out, put your CV out to absolutely everybody and just get a job wherever you can get a job. And I remember getting a phone call from uh, a Shepparton school and they said, come on in, you know, we want to get you in for an interview. So I got all dressed up and and suddenly I was just being toured around the school and they just said, uh, look, this is where your, um, your office is going to be. And I thought, hold on, this isn't an interview. What's going on here? And they said, oh, sorry, would you like the job? And, and so I sort of just got landed the job and I thought, what have I got myself into here if they're just giving me the job straight away? And look, it was a steep learning curve being in Shepparton by myself, being the only outdoor ed teacher. I'm I'm qualified in PE and outdoor ed and health. And so I was the only outdoor ed teacher. And so I was organising, you know, ski camps and, and bike rides as a graduate teacher, which, you know, it's a bit full on. And there were some pretty major behaviour management uh, issues there. Uh, so I spent six months there. And then I had a friend that was working up at a school a residential school, year nine boarding school for all girls up in near Mansfield. And she said, look, there's a job opportunity that's come up. It's on a teacher's wage and you get free accommodation, free food. You get to go out and outdoor programs and, and lead all of the, the outdoor ed side of things and be a part of the program in terms of an, an assistant. If, if you're needed at all, they'll, they'll jump onto you. So you put the, put the students to bed, you'll supervise them doing homework and things like that so 
uh, put my hand in the ring for that one and and got the job. And then within six months working there, they they offered me a teaching role there. So I started teaching there in 2012 and stayed there up until I went on maternity leave six years later. So I spent a fair bit of time there and, and I'm sure we'll touch on that a little bit later. But basically it's a just for year nines, they come there for the for the year and they're away from technology, they're away from the internet, instant gratification of having a text message and things like that. Um, and they're put in some pretty challenging situations. So they don't have a weekend. Their weekend is on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and they go hiking up in the high plains and uh, they might be canoeing or mountain bike riding and that side of things. Uh, and then there's also a very intensive running program that ends in you know 17 kilometres. By the end of the year, they're running up two mountains. And so it was a really, it was a dream job. I had a, a wellbeing aspect associated with that one that I was in charge of 10 students and I was their go-to kind of person, but also I was the liaison between parents. You know, if they had any concerns, I was their person to to chat to. And I loved that, but it probably just wasn't um, the right kind of place to to raise a kid and a family in at that stage. So I uh, moved to Melbourne and worked at a public school there and then had I went back, came back off maternity leave and was given a VCE teaching role there for a year and absolutely loved it and got amazing results. And I thought, oh, I really love this aspect, but I miss the countryside. So moved to another residential boarding school a year later and worked there for a year at, it was another year nine program, but they were only there for a term this time. So it wasn't a year long program. The entire year level came, but it was just at a term at a time. So we got to see four groups of students come through. And again, I was a, a well-being person. Um, I taught in the classroom. There was a lot of a sustainability aspect, whereas the other school that I worked in near Mansfield was more of a resilience-based program. This program was around sustainability um, and how to live sustainably and how to care for yourself and others within a community, which was interesting. And I headed up the PE program there, which was, again, a running program. The, the longest they ran was 10 kilometres, which is still a big distance for, for students who haven't run before. That was in Malacuta. So that was a very, very long distance to drive back and forth for family. Uh, and so I ended up coming back to, to Melbourne and the school that I'd worked at in Melbourne said, hey, do you want to come back? We've got a job up. And, and I ended up being head of PE there for quite a few years. And again, I went on maternity leave and then uh, a job opportunity came up just down the road at an all-girls private school. So that is where I'm currently working now. Bit of a long journey uh, <laughs> and I have changed schools a lot, but that's that's my um, teaching career so far. Yeah, wow. So many different and amazing experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very vastly different. And I do, yeah, I get into a lot of conversations with people saying, wow, you've worked in some very interesting places. And I think back, yeah, I have. <laughs> no, it's amazing. So what was the reason, you kind of talked about this a little bit, Katie, but what was the reason you just went, yeah, I want to become a teacher? Look, I think probably if you go back to to high school and, and being a volleyball coach and a netball coach and, and feeling that association, the re relationship, I think I coached you as a, as a volleyball athlete back in the day. Sure um, did. And, and I think it was, you know, it's, it's nice. You get that little feel of what it's like to have that, you know, relationship with students and, and teaching. And then I was a swimming teacher at the, the school pool we had there. And I really loved that aspect of it. I was actually mum that sort of said, hey, look, I think that you are following in the footsteps of your, your dad. Like, you know, you've got a bit of a knack with kids and 
a stable career and you probably should think down those lines. I was, you know, tossing up between going down the drama line or being a PE teacher. And I think that the fact that Bendigo had a course that was, you know, a really reputable one, particularly in outdoor ed and, and PE. And so I um, just jumped on board with that one. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. And then did you have a teacher throughout your schooling that really inspired you? Look, I think probably dad. I was in that lucky space that I got to observe dad as a teacher and the relationships that he built up with students was just amazing. You know, he also was that harsh, like you could hear his voice, you know, if he wanted to let a student know or get their attention, you could hear his voice from across the the oval, which could be quite frightening to some students. But he also had an amazing bond and you would you would know that, you know, with the kids that played volleyball or students that he taught in PE or to do with, you know, Riley House. And he was also head of wellbeing at the end of his career. And I just think that he has this fantastic ability to get the best out of uh, out of students. And I really admired that. And I think that I always looked up to, to him in that capacity. And also he was my teacher at some stages as well. And so... Um, I got to see that firsthand as well. And I think that, yeah, he really inspired me to to be a teacher as well. Yeah, no, fantastic choice. Couldn't speak more highly enough of Rick. <laughs> um, I've been lucky enough and it's probably a lot of it's hiding behind me right now. I can a see that the, right now. Yeah, a lot of the volleyball experiences we had and yeah, very special moments. And as you were talking about before, moments that we'll remember forever. And yeah, I had the absolute privilege of being coached by uh, Rick and yeah, just learned so much from him. And I got, he taught me in PE as well. So no, absolutely inspiring person. And then, yeah, I was very honored when he asked me to uh, actually get to coach with him with the Victorian stuff. So yeah, no, Rick's a very special person to me as well. So I think, yeah, fantastic choice there, Katie. (laughs) Yeah, he is a pretty special guy. Absolutely. And then moving on here, do you have, and what has been your greatest challenge as a teacher? Look, I think probably teaching VCE for the first time was probably the most challenging aspect because I put, I ha- I always hold really high expectations of myself on, you know, how I deliver a class. I'm always that person that will reflect on a class and think, how did that go well? And how can I, you know, change things? And to have that pressure or that knowledge that, that these students are sort of relying on these marks or potentially relying on these marks to be able to get into university courses and things like that. And I hadn't taught it before. And so I was, it was a new study design the first time that I taught VCE. So there was, I was needing to create new resources and things like that. So I went to absolutely every professional development opportunity that I could. And I read the textbook back and forth. I was actually lucky enough to have a student in my class that was visually impaired and she wasn't funded for any of the uh, resources or, or, uh, I guess, things that were available to make things easier for her. It had been a sudden diagnosis. And so they were in the steps in the process to to get these um, things helping so in the meantime, I read the textbook every night out loud and I recorded it on my on my phone and I would airdrop it to her in the morning, which really helped as a process for me, but gave her that little bit of an edge as well. So I found that really helpful, but it was definitely a difficult year. But in saying that, I feel like I really just, you know, dived into it and really learned the, con- learned the content inside and out. And that was the best year that I've ever got. The best results that I've ever got was that first year that I taught VCE. And I think it was that purely that aspect of, feeling the pressure and wanting to do really well yeah yeah no I uh 
I've got a question a little bit later on about feeling the pressure. I think, yeah, couldn't agree more with that one. I always think when I went through and I did a bit of a similar course to you, I was just always thinking with the VCE stuff. And I remember doing teaching rounds, um, doing VCE stuff and feeling the heat and the pressure when I was on just on teaching rounds. So yeah, totally understand how you're feeling there. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm kind of in a similar position now, actually. I'm teaching a new study design that I haven't taught before. So I'm in that sort of environment right now. Uh, so I'm not sure why I did it, but I'm back here again. <laughs> well, we always do that to ourselves, don't we? Absolutely. <laughs> and then going to a more positive note, what's been your proudest moment as a teacher? Oh, look, this one was a tricky one. I I couldn't choose just one. I think there's been, if I think back to VCE, you know, I've had students that have got an almost perfect score, 49 out of 50, which has been amazing. But I think about that and I'm like, that's probably not my proudest moment those students are probably always academically driven and they're going to be heading that way anyway and I think probably I had a student during COVID times which is you know in itself trying to teach outdoor ed in COVID times VCA content's quite tricky um, but this student had ADHD was really struggling and you know had a goal of just getting a 30 a 30 score in in outdoor ed would have made his world and at the end, he got a 38. And I think I am equally as proud as that student as I am the kid that got a 49. And I think, yeah. But And then also there was probably one other proudest moment was the student that was visually impaired. I can remember she was so nervous about going skiing, and but she really wanted to go. She'd only been just freshly diagnosed with vision impairment and we put her up the top of a mountain and we had two students either side of her and she skied all the way down the mountain. I think that was probably one of those moments where you just think, wow, this is amazing. This is why we do our job. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. No, great ones there, Katie. And I think it just shows your care and uh, the relationship you want to build with your students to get the best out of them and see them improve and, and get better and, and achieve their, their dreams and goals. Absolutely. Hit the nail on the head. I think it's all about relationships, you know, building those relationships with kids, make them feel comfortable and then they're going to, they're going to kick goals. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So can you tell us more about your amazing experience in residential boarding schools? It's, uh, you were talking a little bit about it before, but yeah, tell us about some of your experiences you've had and, and the stuff you were doing there. Yeah, I guess it's hard to explain in a small time frame, but I guess um, if we talk about a normal week, this is the school that I was at, the first residential boarding school that I was at. So it was a year nine boarding camp. So they were there for the entire year. They step off the bus and they have, some of them have never camped before. Some of them have never spent more than a week away from their parents before. Um, it's really, it's a really fresh environment. The, the main school is in a boarding school. So they're not used to boarding normally and they're away for this entire year. And additionally to that, they are, doing school there there is no break for them until midway through the term they get a weekend where they get to go home so they're in these pressure cooker sort of situations and they're going hiking and they're going running so they're just their resilience is really being tested and it's both scary for them but exciting at the same time because this program is like a rite of passage for the school you know in year nine you get to come to this place and you get to build up these amazing relationships with the staff that are up there and you get to build these amazing relationships with the students in your house. So there's 10 students in your house and you live with them. If you walk into the house, there's bunks, you know, you're living on top of somebody else for the entire year. And you, I guess from my perspective, I'm getting to know the students really well. And, and I still catch up with some of the students that I have taught over the years. 
because you just have this amazing relationship with them. And I think it was a really unique experience because you get to see them at their lowest and they get to see you at your lowest. You know, you're putting them to bed at nighttime at 10.30 at night, making sure that they're nice and quiet. But you've also, you know, spent period one with them learning about, you know, joints and mobility and things like that. Um, we've also been for a 10 kilometre run. I've also eaten a meal with them. I'm feeling low, they're feeling low, we're experiencing it at the same time. It's just a, a beautiful uh, experience that at the end of the year is very emotional because you are also um, sharing these beautiful plaques with them and you see how independent they are at the end of the year and when they go on their this six-day hike at the end of the year that they build to essentially leading it themselves. So the staff are walking along behind them on their hikes and we essentially get to go on a holiday and they run it when they want to wake up in the in the morning they wake up when they want to have lunch they have lunch they need to get from a to b how they get there is up to them and it's a really special experience and it's really hard to explain to somebody that hasn't necessarily been in that environment before but it's probably it was my dream job at the time and I think if you're ever available or able to experience something like that, I cannot recommend it enough. It's just a, an amazing program to be a part of. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. No, as I said, like, I just don't know much about it. So it's been, yeah, just interesting, just hearing what you were just saying then and talking about it. So now that's yeah. awesome. So what would you say some of the positives and the challenges are for staff and being part of a, a residential boarding school? Yeah, look, as I said, and I alluded to a little bit earlier, there are the hours are long. You know, you're working from potentially seven o'clock to seven o'clock, or um, you might have an evening shift where you get to work from 8.30 in the morning and you're putting them to bed um, and you leave at 9.30 at night. So they're really long hours and those hours aren't normal. You know, a typical day, there isn't a typical day. You know, you might be skiing down a mountain and then running, you know, I, many times I would have a six period day where I'd be teaching every single period. And the last period of the day would be running a 15 kilometer run and you'd run straight back and you'd arrive at six o'clock and you'd walk straight into the dining hall and you'd have dinner together with everybody. It was exhausting at times, but very rewarding at the same time, because you get to have this amazing experience with these kids. And I think also living on campus with staff also had its tricky sides of things in terms of you know you do see someone at their the lowest point of, you know you can have some difficult conversations with people um, but at the same time you have some amazing friendships with people that you have worked with over the years up there and I still catch up with with a lot of people that I've worked with at that school so the negatives don't outweigh the positives the positives are just amazing um, you know I learned to ski I started my first year the beginning group of skiing and at the end I was at the one of the top groups you know you get to go up every Tuesday and learn how to ski downhill and do some cross-country skiing and wake up in a tent and watch the sun rise up over the mountains it's just you get some amazing experiences and there's tough times but that just happens and it, it does the job itself attracts uh, younger people often and that makes it a fun environment as well. Mm, no excellent yeah. I guess as you were mentioning before with those challenges do you ever get that opportunity to have just a little bit of a break just to get away or you just have to be involved the whole time? You don't have to. So in a two-week cycle, you would have three days off. Mm -hmm. um, so you wouldn't have a weekend per se. I would have 
every Friday off and every second Saturday off. So you'd get two days every now and then. And then in the middle of the term, the girls would go home for three to four days um, then. So you'd get that sort of little mini break in the middle yeah. of the term. And obviously you'd get school holidays as well. You work hard, but then, you you know, you, you really are rewarded by um, the students are amazing and, and the things that you get to see and do are pretty special too. Yeah, awesome. And then what about from the students' point of view? What are some of the positives and the challenges in being in the residential boarding schools? Well, I think the the challenges initially are being away from their parents and that's hard and that's fine. As I said before, it's it's not a, a boarding school normally. And so that can be difficult. But I think the real issue and probably is with teenagers in general is just being away from their phones. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that instant gratification of being able to communicate with somebody that is, you know, potentially over the other side of the country or, or over the other side of the state. And they would have to write letters and the letters would take often, you know, a week, a week and a half to arrive to their parents to which they would respond. So, you know, they're looking at like a three week break between a communication between their parents, which they really struggle with. I guess as part of my role was to help facilitate, you know, some discussions with the kids about that and support them in in that capacity. Uh, but also supporting the parents because they haven't been exposed to that before too. And, and you know, there was many an email or a phone call that I would be getting from parents, you know, asking for an update or, or, or a photo, you know, even just that visual aspect is really tricky for the parents as well. But I think the positives, again, you get to see these, you know, tiny students getting off the bus at the beginning of the year and at the end of the year, you feel like they've not only physically grown, but they are just, you know, their shoulders are up, are back and they're feeling so confident and they're independent and they're able to do things that they never felt like they were able to do. You know, I think putting them into those challenging situations, you could talk to the the main school after the year nine program and they would always say the students are just completely different students after that year away. They're just independent. They've built up amazing relationships with with their peers, the cohort was just a really good and close knit cohort. And often the parents really struggled with the independent side as well. You know, they'd, they'd send their, their daughters away and they were, you know, young and little innocent things. And then they come back and they're completely different students to what they're used to. You know, they're not used to them wanting to just get onto the train and, and catch it into the city and do things. And so the parents are a lot of sort of wanting to grab back their, their young, innocent little girl. But I think that it's just an amazing program and you rarely get a student that doesn't do well within within the program. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. I think, as you were saying, so many learning opportunities for them and an opportunity just to grow up, whereas yeah. a lot of probably other students that aren't in that opportunity still would obviously grow up and learn and develop, but it's a bit of a rapid fire uh, Absolutely, absolutely rapid fire. And I think working at the other residential boarding school which was a term long program was a completely different aspect that that was a term long intensive program but it wasn't sort of around the resilience based um, type of thing you would often see the growth in the student happen a little bit quicker like you say rapid fire and they wanting to make the most of their experience whereas the year-long program was a gradual kind of a okay yeah we're at term three I might sort of make the most of my opportunities whereas the term long program was like, I'm going to make sure any free time that I get, I'm going to make sure I go and, you know, uh, feed the cows or whatever it is and making sure that they they make the most of their time there because they know it's a short capacity. Yeah. 
Yeah, amazing. As I said, I've just learned heaps just listening to your talk then, Katie. <laughs> I've been able to see some of the stuff you've been doing along the way. But yeah, I learned heaps there. And for not having been experienced and involved in it, um, as I said, yeah, learn heaps there. And yeah, sounds like an amazing opportunity for those girls. And sounds like an amazing opportunity as well for all the staff that have been involved as well. Yeah, absolutely. I certainly learned a lot about myself and, and outdoor ed practices and, and being a teacher in those programs for sure. Yeah, excellent. And you, you were mentioning this before, you've moved school a few times, have so many great opportunities in your career so far. Yeah. Um, have you got some really good tips to support any staff that are moving schools? Look, I think to just understand that the brain fuzz leaves at eventually. I'm currently in that brain fuzz stage at the moment because I am at a new school. <laughs> so I'm trying to actually use the tips that I'm talking about today. But I think it's really important to just focus on what you've been employed to do, you know, focus on the learning intentions in your class, focus on your classroom, the students, that's what you're being employed to do. That's that's the reason that you're here. The kids need to see the best version of you. And I think you'll understand the school processes and every school, you know, has files that they're saved in a different location to another school and it's working out the campus map and, and those side of things, which I'm still getting my head around currently. But I think if you can focus on those little things one day at a time, one step at a time, and, and what you're delivering is, is really important. And the other things, you know, you're going to miss little, little things here and there. Um, that's inevitable. But also owning that and telling the students that you're, that you're new and that you're, you know, learning at the same time, I think that's really important to be honest with the students and they'll help you out as well. Today, I, I got lost and I grabbed a tube and I said, can you just tell me where this classroom is, please? And she was like, yeah, no worries. And she took me along the way. So it's fantastic. I think being honest to students is really important too. Yeah, no, love that. And as you're saying, we're all in schools, but schools are all different, aren't they? And uh, have different management systems and all those kind of things. It's just very funny how school we're in the same area, but gee, schools are different. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it would be nice if we we're all just on the same platform, but unfortunately <laughs> you can't be, you can't be at all. You know, every school functions differently and that's okay. That was, that's what makes them unique. Yeah, absolutely. So currently you're teaching VCE and as you mentioned, you have throughout your career, either outdoor ed, PE or health. You kind of mentioned this before. Do you enjoy teaching VCE and uh, do you feel that added pressure? I know you mentioned that before, but yeah, do you enjoy teaching VCE? I love it. I think it's amazing. I am so passionate about what I teach and I try and push that excitement onto my students. And I get a lot of feedback around that, that they they want to try hard just because I'm excited about it. And I think that's really important as well. But I love, I love it. And I often will get told by my partner, stop working because, I'll, you know, we'll be on a holiday and I'm like taking a photo of a sign thinking, this will be fantastic. You know, I could bring this up into class and we could talk about this and it's like, stop you know, we're on holidays kind of thing. I, I get really passionate about it and it's almost a little bit obsessive. But I think, yeah, particularly I'm feeling the pressure this time round. I'm teaching VCA Health. And prior to this, I've been teaching at a, at a public school, local public school, which is uh, fantastic. And they were great and we got really good results. I'm feeling a little bit of a, an additional pressure this time being at a, at a private school, just that element of last year's results were amazing, exceptional and and what the ATAR medians are and things like that. I'm just feeling a little bit of an additional pressure, but that's okay. Um, the students are great and I'm enjoying myself at the moment. So keep going. 
Uh, excellent work. And I think you mentioned an important thing there about passion. Kids can tell straight away if you're passionate about something or interested about something. And, and it, as you said, it rubs off onto the students for sure. Even with my prep students, they can tell if I'm really interested in something and I've got a bit of passion about what I'm teaching because then they want to do really well and show me their great work. So yeah, kids are very switched on in that regard. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the moment you show any kind of hesitation or non-passion, then they'll pounce on that and they'll tune out and they'll be looking out the window. Absolutely. And then you were mentioning uh, you've got some wonderful results in VCE. So congratulations <laughs> for that, Katie, and particularly <laughs> in outdoor ed. Have you got any advice for teachers teaching VCE outdoor education? Well, firstly, the congratulations is definitely not for me. It's for the kids. You know, that's what I, I always say to them. I don't have to memorise the content. You have to memorise the content. It's up to you. I can only facilitate as much as I can. So it's certainly not because of me, but it's nice that you get to be there and, and help with that process. I think that's really important. I guess my main bit of advice would be to know, and it seems obvious, know the study design really well and look through that study design and dissect it as much as you possibly can. The key knowledge is something that you will always be teaching. You know, that's what you've got to teach. But the key skills, those command words like analyze, evaluate, that type of thing is what I really focus my time on. And uh, I will deliver content. Uh, but the first thing that I will do before I deliver the content is say, this is a modeled question that you might be asked on an exam. And that's the first thing that I will look at. And then we'll look at a sample answer and then I'll teach you the content. So while we're learning the content, they've already got that question to look back and reference. And I think that's really important to do as well. And to explicitly teach those skills that you're teaching, you know, evaluate, well, actually you need to break down the positives, the negatives, and then you need to have an overall judgment call. And I think a lot of subjects can not necessarily explicitly teach those skills. And that's what you will be asked at the end of the year. And the exams are worth 50%. And Although, you know, I might set a, an easy SAT for you, it doesn't, that's not doing you any justice. I'm going to be setting you a, a harder, harder SAC that is going to be replicated by the, the exam because the exam is worth 50% and that's what we're, what we're working towards. So I think practice questions are the main, the main thing and, and VCAR have an amazing website that you can go to and look at and they've got practice exams and examiners reports and VCAR run fantastic webinars that you can be a part of that are with the chief assessors or if not you can look to external companies that will go through the, the examiner's report from the previous year and they'll dissect absolutely every question because there's key elements to answering questions that aren't necessarily in the study design or in the textbook that are little nuances that the kids need to know you know if we're talking about um, VCE there's elements of outdoor ed um, that you'll need to answer in a certain structure, but that doesn't get taught in the study design. It's not in the textbook. It's something that you need to go away and learn as a part of PD or a part, as, part of um, jumping onto those webinars. Um, and once you've taught the subject for a couple of years, jumping on and being a part of the exam marking process is really important too. You get, I was, I was a part of it last year. I don't know why, because I had a four month old baby, but that's another that's another <laughs> stupid idea that I've done. But the the things that I learned were invaluable. You know, you get to break down the question where the mark allocation is coming from, 
what we're looking at in terms of an ideal answer. It was a fantastic experience to be a part of, and I can't recommend that enough. As a young teacher, if you've taught the subject for a year, at least apply and, and put your hand up and you'll always be um, improving your practice, definitely. Yeah, mm. awesome. No, great advice there. Thanks for that. Right. And then, as you've mentioned, you've been head of department as well uh, in mm. your school. Do you enjoy doing this role? I do, yeah. I've always been interested in leadership. That's something that I've always been wanting to do. I, I sort of, after coming out of residential boarding schools, I was thinking, oh, yeah, I'll go down the wellbeing line of things. I, I really enjoy um, that rapport that you have with students. But this curriculum position came up, head of curriculum, and I thought I'll give it a go and I really enjoyed it. Um, it's a nice way of bringing your team together and, and heading up the curriculum documentation process, which you know, isn't always a fun thing, but it's fun to try and make it engaging for staff and trying to get the passion out of them in terms of um, making sure that we're dotting all our I's and crossing all our T's within the department, but then also making it fun, you know, and, and having those social events and, and making sure everyone's still excited to come to work. I think that's really important as well. But yeah, I did, I did enjoy it. Uh, I'm not currently head of department. I do miss it, but also, you know, you can focus your efforts into different areas as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, excellent. And then, yeah, any other advice for teachers that are heading up a department to achieve the best results possible? Look, I think if you can share the load with the rest of the department in terms of ownership and saying, you know, if we've got a, if you've been given a directive from leadership that you want to be implementing, I think it's important to put it to the department to make them feel as though they've got ownership as well, that they're listened to, that they're understanding. I think that helps in getting a collective and everybody's on the same page. I think that's really important. Getting to know your staff on a personal level as well, I think is really important that it's the same as in a classroom, right? If you know somebody really well or a student really well, then you're going to get the best learning outcomes and you know that and, and everybody probably listening knows that. And I think it's the same in leadership that you build up a positive rapport and build that team kind of environment. And if you can do that, then everyone's going to be working a lot better and a lot more efficiently. It definitely has its, um, has its challenges, but I think if you can get that aspect happening, that team environment happening, then it's a lot more effective. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about building that trust and acknowledging the performance that people can do and trusting them to, that they can go and do that as well. Not trying to take over it and do it all yourself because that's not showing any trust to your colleagues, is it? Absolutely. And I think, you know, within your department, you've got so many people that are specialists in certain areas. And so it's important to acknowledge, as you say, those people that have amazing talents in that area and bring that to the forefront and share and almost internally professionally develop your department absolutely and then katie how do you go about balancing mum life and uh being a teacher oh look todd i'm still learning that aspect <laughs> <laughs> there are times that i work quite late because i want to so i'll come home to the kids as soon as i possibly can if i don't have a work meeting on i'll spend time with them and then I'll pop them to bed and then I'll work late at night. But, you know, I think that happens with with everybody that has a family. You've got to try and balance those types of things. Currently in my new role, I try and sneak away a little bit earlier at the moment. Rosie, who is only nine months old, is a little bit clingy. So if, I, if she sees me in the morning, then that's quite tricky. She'll just burst into tears and won't let me go. So I try and sneak out of the house before she wakes up and, and get to work early, get as much work as I can done so then 
when the workday finishes, I can come home and spend some quality time with the kids. But yeah, it's definitely a uh, a work in progress. <laughs> Each day is probably different as well. You can't get oh, any routine definitely. to it. Definitely no routine to it at all. <laughs> and then being a mum, did you find it challenging coming back from maternity leave? Did you feel like you were missing out on a lot or you missed the fluency of teaching at all? Or did you find it pretty pretty okay to come back into the classroom and get back teaching? Look, both times that I came back from maternity leave, I only had nine months off. So I didn't feel like I'd really missed out on on much at the time. I think my partner is a teacher as well. So I was always sort of, you know, having chats and, and keeping involved in, in that aspect. Um, I felt like some of my friends who went on maternity leave during COVID time were really, and then they came back after COVID, were really shocked about the technological side of things. You know, all of a sudden we've got this Teams thing that's just appeared and, you know, we're doing things that are online. And I think they found it difficult. I was lucky enough to not have had that aspect. And so I felt like I was still in touch with everything. I'm not sure if I mentioned um, I did my master's um, of education or I began my master's of education when I had Harry, my five-year-old. Um, again, probably not the wisest move of my life doing a <laughs> doing a subject or um, a couple of subjects of, of master's of education while you've got a, a six-week-old baby. But they were my best results, actually, <laughs> surprisingly. But babies sleep a lot, just not at the right times. Uh, so... I did do a little bit of, of that. I've, I'm halfway through my course and I did that while I was on maternity leave. So I kept, felt like I wanted to keep my, you know, my brain ticking. Um, I didn't do it this time um, with Rosie. I just felt like I needed a little bit of a break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, although I did do the exam marking. So again, I think, yeah, keeping my, my head in the mix a little bit yeah, with that. Yeah, good job. And then do you have any advice for teachers coming back from maternity leave for a smooth transition at all? I think with Rosie in particular, I went away on a little holiday just before I went back to school and it just was sort of like a cold turkey. I'm not going to be around. You get used to being at home with my partner and that worked really well. I think that's probably something that I would say, suggest doing, make sure that you, you're in your routine a little bit before you get back into work, whether that's daycare or whether that's you know, um, grandparents coming and looking after the kids and that side of things. I think it's really important to do that before you get back. I didn't do that with my first and returning back and it was very hard and cold turkey. And and I guess, you know, there's a lot of things that you've got to get used to as a mum, you know, bodily changes that you've got to get used to and coming back to work was, yeah, it was quite tricky. So I would suggest, yeah, a little bit of preemptively transitioning, not just cold turkey straight back mm. into work for sure. Yeah. But each and each parent is different and each person that, that comes back to work is does things differently and do what works for you. And I think if that's coming back full-time work because you need to be away from the kids, you know, you need that break or coming back part-time and slowly transitioning back, whatever works for you and be honest with yourself and your partner about that. I think that's really important too. Yeah. Awesome. Great advice, Katie. And then what's one teaching resource you couldn't live without? I was having a think about this and I use OneNote a lot for my year 12s in pushing resources. I keep all of my resources there for the kids to look at. And I think if OneNote wasn't around, 
I'm not sure I would be delivering the content in a as good a way that I usually would. So I think OneNote is my my go-to at the moment. That would probably be the best resource. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah beautiful. Fantastic. And before we finish up today, Katie, are you happy to play a little game with me today? Sure. If you explain the rules to me, I'm sure I'll. <laughs> can do. It is a new game this year. It's called Todd's Stock Exchange. You can either buy, hold, or sell it. So I'm going to say a word and you're going to either buy it. So you want to keep it, hold it. You're a bit unsure still, or you sell. You just want to get rid of it. You don't like it. Okay. And awesome. I, yeah. Okay, sure. <laughs> we'll get underway. We'll see how we go. So a staff meeting, do you want to buy, hold, or Ooh. sell it? I think I'll, I'll hold that one. <laughs> that can be useful, but I'm not sure I want them all the time. Fair enough. <laughs> Yard duty, buy, hold, sell? Sell. Not a fan? Not a fan. That can jog on. Yeah, not a fan of yard duty. <laughs> love it. Uh, the staff room, buy, hold, sell? Buy, yeah. Love a staff room. Love a cohesive work environment. Yep, have some good chats, laughs. I think it's really important. Beautiful. I love it as well. Uh, professional learning, buy, hold, sell? Buy, for sure. I think I've sold that enough this this podcast yeah i love professional learning anytime i can in fact i'm going to one on on friday at the conference yeah <laughs> beautiful no fantastic chisel tip uh whiteboard marker buy hold sell sell i'm not a chisel tip kind of a person i think that's a primary school thing i do i am not good with my handwriting on the board and i'm a yeah yeah the tip round tip uh, kind of a person not the chisel tip you've given me a reaction like you are a chisel tip kind of person Absolutely. Disappointed there, Katie. Very disappointed. Uh, tuna in the staff room, buy, hold, sell. Ooh, I think we'll hold that one. It's It has its place at times, but if it's a hot day and a small staff room, not okay. But if you're quick and eat it quickly and it's not a, a hot day, then I'm okay with it. <laughs> like it. And the last one, uh, residential boarding schools, buy, hold, sell. I for sure. Absolutely. 10 out of 10 can recommend. Beautiful. Love it. Well, well done, Katie. I was disappointed in one answer, but the rest you did a great job with. So <laughs> I'll give you the win for that one. Uh, so oh, great job. <laughs> thank you. And that is actually the end of the podcast today. So Katie, I just want to say thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Uh, as we were discussing, I remember uh, going through schooling with you, we've coached volleyball together. You coached me as well. And it's, yeah, it's been wonderful to see on Facebook and Instagram, everything you've been doing in your career so far and in your life. So yeah, it's been wonderful to have you on the podcast today and, and getting to hear your journey and everything and all the wonderful things you're doing as well. So yeah, keep up the brilliant work. And yeah, it was awesome hearing about your teaching journey. I learned heaps as well. So yeah, thank you so much for being on. Thanks so much for having me, Todd. And I think the credit also goes to you. You're doing amazing things. You were telling me earlier about podcasts that you've set up at school. And I think it's amazing seeing equally what you're doing. And I think it's fantastic. And I was just saying earlier, I wish that my son who's just started prep was in your prep classes. Because from what I see and, you know, in your um, Busy Hill um, Instagram page as well, I think, wow, you're doing amazing things. And uh, yeah, well done. Keep it up. You're doing amazing things. Thanks, Katie. That really means a lot. So no, it's um, yeah, been awesome chatting. As I said, it was been too long between between chatting for us. So hopefully we can catch up really soon at some stage. Absolutely. I look forward to it. All the best for the rest of the year. Thanks, Todd. You too.
And that is the end of the 35th episode of the Toddcast, the Teacher Podcast. It was wonderful having Katie come on today and sharing her unique experiences so far in her teaching career, being in residential boarding schools, and then also her experiences in VCE as well. I learned heaps, and hopefully you got a lot out of it too. I cannot wait for you to join me again in a couple of weeks' time for the next episode of the Toddcast. See you later.